Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan, welcome to The Detail, and we're kicking off today with a bit of a pop quiz. Who was the most Googled person in New Zealand in 2019? It was a World Cup year, so maybe Bowden Barrett, no, okay. Hmm. What about Kane Williamson or Nolene Taurua by the same logic? Wrong again. Maybe it was a politician, Jacinda Ardern, Simon Bridges, Donald Trump, no, no, no. None of the above. It was this guy. Fighting out of Auckland, New Zealand, by way of Lagos, Nigeria, presenting as number six ranked middleweight contender in the world, Israel, the last title bender, Adesanya! So who is Israel Adesanya? Where did he come from? How did he burst onto the mixed martial arts scene? Why is he in the running for our top sporting award? And why is MMA such a big deal? Steve Dean is Newsroom Sports Editor-at-Large. Oh, so Israel is um, the son of immigrant parents from Nigeria who moved out to New Zealand and originally settled, I believe it was, in Wanganui. He was not into combat sports at all when he first got here. One of the things he told me when I first interviewed him, he, he didn't realise he was black until he got to New Zealand, and then he looked around and went, wow, I'm a bit different than everyone else. Because in Nigeria, obviously, everyone looked like him. Here he is talking to NZME late last year. Culture shock mostly was realising that being black was a problem, you know, especially in a small town. I was like, what? Like, why? Like, you know, people would just try and be mean to you for no reason. And I was like... Because it happened in school back home as well, but it wasn't because of my skin colour. That was a new one for me, so I was like, oh, okay, this is a problem. I don't get it. And I think we talked about it, what, about this. One of my earliest encounters with that was, remember in school, this kid was just giving me shit the whole time, the whole week. And during the weekend, he rode by my house because he wasn't far off, like a few streets down. And he yelled, go back to your country, black and knees. And did it like two or three times. And I remember thinking at that age, like, I don't even, I, I, have I done something to this kid? Like, did I say something to him? Like, because I couldn't really fathom, like, why would he even just spend effort on a weekend <laughs> riding by my house when he could do anything else and just talk shit to me? Like, that was his phone on the weekend for a little bit. So, yeah, for, for me, it was weird. So he was a bit different from start. Um, his big thing was dance. He was an amazing dancer. So he, he danced a lot. He found his way into a, a combat sports gym, a kickboxing gym, almost by accident. He saw some movies that he really, really liked, and he got intrigued by kickboxing movies, by kung fu movies, and thought that, you know, I wouldn't mind actually doing that. And even now, when you look at how he projects himself, it's almost like he's living out a part in a movie. He has, has this incredible level of confidence, but he's, it's almost like he's created this alter ego and and he just plays the part, but it's really, really working for him. So Israel Adesanya had a pretty big 2019. He fought and defeated Anderson Silva, who's widely regarded as the best mixed martial artist of all time. He defeated the American Calvin Gastelum in one of the great bouts of recent memory. And, oh yeah, this happened. The undisputed UFC! Champion of the world, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya. To cap it all off, Adesanya's up for Sportsman of the Year at the Halbergs on Thursday evening. And on paper, he's an undoubted frontrunner. He's an undefeated reigning world champion in a legit global sport. 
but there's a complicating factor, his sport. Well, mixed martial arts really it started out as as these things do, as a bunch of guys wanted to figure out which was the you know the best martial art, and so this has gone on for quite some time. There've always been these these competitions going back you know, probably upwards of thirty years, but what has happened now is that MMA has got to the point where it's, it's almost its own style as well. You, get, you know, you're not it's not just a judo fighter against a boxer. It's, these guys can do a bit of everything, and they're actually you know genuine MMA fighters. It's pretty much what it says on the tin. It's a mixture of martial arts, but not the sort of stuff you see in action movies. It's a bit grittier than that. So they need to have a really good, what's known as a ground game, which means they need to be able to fight on the ground, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a, um, is a foundation of that. It's a, it's a way of manipulating people to the ground when they're attacking you, essentially, and putting holds on them to make them stop and give up. It's very, very important if you're a great boxer, a great striker, but you can't stop someone putting you on the ground and twisting your arm off, then you're not going to win any fights. So they all have to become very, very well-rounded. Some are strikers more predominantly than, than sort of wrestlers. So um, then basically the UFC came along in its infancy. Um, it was a failing organisation. Um, it was losing a lot of money. Uh, it was banned in most states in America. The start of the successful period for the UFC was the um, the Ultimate Fighter TV series when they managed to combine it with reality TV, and that actually became really compelling. This this telling the stories of these these guys, and they were all guys at that point. There were no women in MMA, and their battles to become famous and successful in their sport, and it was really compelling drama. And it really captured imagination. It took off. More, more and more people wanted to do it. More and more people watched it. And now the UFC is this massive global behemoth, really, um, that has a that also runs its sport with a with a very very tight fist. They're a very slick operation. They do things their own way, and they're not really answerable to other people. The tragic death of Portuguese mixed martial arts fighter João Cavalho following a, a total extreme fighting event at the National Stadium in Dublin on Saturday night has provoked strong criticism and many, many questions. Now, despite the presence of medical staff at the fight, the fighter lost his life in Beaumont Hospital 48 hours later. Following the tragedy, serious questions are now being asked about the safety of this relatively new sport and comparisons are made with the more established and more regulated sport of boxing. It's such a great story. It's such an interesting story. You know, he's the kid of immigrant parents. He is this vibrant personality. I mean, he's a real star in the UFC. He's held up as being a real future star, one of the four or five probably biggest stars in the sport. And yet, it does feel like there is this element of discomfort, the idea that there is a champion New Zealand athlete who, as you wrote, you know, his job is beating the crap out of other guys in a blood-splattered cage. Yeah, yeah, I think that doesn't sit well with with um, a lot of Kiwis, but I also think that yeah, that is changing. There is a an example of that would be if you wanted to watch the UFC, say even five or six years ago, there was like one or two pubs on a Sunday you could go to, and there would be a couple of hundred people there. You know, and that was a hard product to access because of that. It was banned in the states in its in its infancy because of these reasons. So it's not naturally a sporting event that lends itself to you know, a universal appreciation, but it is growing now. Now the UFC is coming to town for the second time. You know, in Auckland, they've had a show previously headlined by Mark Hunt that sold out. That sold out um, Victor Arena as it was there. Spark, I think it is now. And, you know, Kiwi, it's not just Israel Adesanya, there's Dan Hooker out there, there's Kai Carter France, there's a whole bunch of guys 
coming through who are you know, New Zealanders really, really good at the sport. Yeah. And that's that's where I think there's a real cut through. Hang on, we're actually really, really good. Um, if we sucked, and then I don't think people would be that interested. But there's also I mean, when I was a when I was a little boy, I was raised by a solo mother. Um, she wouldn't let me play rugby because rugby players were, you know, there were a lot of spinal injuries around that that era. Um, if, if, a, if you're a mother looking at UFC on a Sunday afternoon and, and you're thinking, do I want my children to do that? The answer is probably not. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, there's always going to be an element. Um, I mean, that's with any combat sports. A lot of people don't like combat sports. Boxing is always, it always has been and always will be calls to ban boxing. So. As the UFC is no different. It's just bloodier. That's the that is the the one difference. If you look at it, it's a bloodstained cage. It's, you know, and the fighters, you know, they they finish each other off in quite brutal fashion. They end these contests. Their whole goal is to end it as soon as they possibly can, and that does lend an added element of brutality. So, yeah, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. That's for sure. He's certainly UFC commentator Joe Rogan's cup of tea. He's special, man. I think he's going to be the next big superstar. I really do. He's got everything going for him. Spectacular talent, great personality. He's fun. I mean, he he fights with as much skill as we've ever seen a striker. I mean, he's Anderson Silva 2.0. He really is, man. Tell me a little bit about the importance of your personal brand in UFC. I guess the template for this is Conor McGregor, which will be a name that's familiar to almost everybody, whether you're a, a, a UFC fan or not. Yeah, well, you can widen that out to combat sports as well. It's boxing, um, all combat sports. Any sports journalist who's, who's operated in this area and has also operated in areas like rugby or you know, the big team sports will tell you how great people, you know, who boxers and MMA fighters are to deal with because they self-promote. They want to talk to you. They want to say something interesting. There isn't this sort of wall where they know they're going to get in trouble and they have to keep sponsors happy and all that. So they're out there selling themselves because they there is a direct revenue line between people turning up at their shows or watching them on pay-per-view and their bank account. <laughs> so they know what's good for them. And and you'll, there'll be brilliant fighters out there who just simply cannot sell themselves, who just look, I just want to fight. I want to train hard and I want to fight. And I don't want to talk to people because I'm terrified of it or it's just not my thing or I don't actually have anything to say. And those guys will never be as successful as the guys like Adesanya who can really create a persona and have people love them or hate them. And again, going back to Adesanya's arc, he's been widely loved on the way up because he is so unique and engaging. But the level of arrogance he's displaying now, he could easily become a bad guy in yeah. that professional wrestling narrative. He's taking a heel turn. He could, yeah, he yeah. could be your John Von Jones overnight and people go, actually, that guy's a bit of a dick. And then you watch him because you want to see him lose. That's just as lucrative to, to a guy in his position. And then, of course, if you do lose, then you might get a bit more sympathy and people want to watch you come back and then succeed again as maybe a, a better version of yourself. So that, But the, the main thing is that people care. You have to create a personality or be a personality that people care about um, touching on Joseph Parker again he's widely loved in New Zealand because he's a really good dude he puts himself out there and he's a, he's a good guy um, so people are interested in his career that if they weren't then they then they would you know wouldn't really care about his achievements wouldn't follow him wouldn't buy his fights on pay-per-view um, so it's, it's it's crucial in that it's, it's very unique as well like golfers don't have to do it for instance you go out there you hit your drive straight make your parts and you can Cash, you know, get your check at the end of the day. No one cares what you say or do, as long as you don't cheat. Um, yeah, but but yeah, combat sports. It's very very important to be able to sell yourself. I can't think of a single New Zealand sports person ever who who has that brashness to their persona. Do you think that 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 New Zealanders warm to that? Some, 
Some, I don't think, but you're, you're right. It's hard to imagine Richie McCaw, you know, after winning the World Cup, answering questions, well, we won because we were the best. We, <laughs> you know, we, we train harder. We, we're technically more skillful. Um, we don't really rate our opposition all that highly, to be honest, because, let's face it, Australia haven't beaten us for 12 years. He's not going to say that, and don't say, because that's not the Kiwi way. It's not what we do. We deflect praise, and we um, try not to draw attention to ourselves. And if we do win, it's, oh, shucks, well, I guess we kind of got a bit lucky there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't, well, I guess you can do that in combat sports, but it wouldn't really work. The question is, would Adesanya's personality rub Kiwis up the wrong way? Certainly a lot of them as well. But then they fall into the camp. Well, I can't wait to see that guy lose, I guess. Other people, um, I mean, might put it down to the fact that he's a relatively recent immigrant, I guess. But he, like I said, he's very, very Kiwi. So I think it's just an element of her, his personality. I wish we had more of it in sports. I wish you could go along to a press conference and a, te- you know, a national team was going to play a country that we've never lost to before. And they'd say, well, of course we don't expect to lose to these guys. They're no mu- not much good at all. It'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, with a yeah, bit of honesty. But we don't really get that. We you know, People, we have you know filters there provided by our national psyche, essentially, and it's drilled into us from a very very early age, and uh, it does get very boring. Combat sports people, of course, are often their own worst enemies, and this is one of the weird paradoxes of Adesanya. For a guy brimming with confidence, with cockiness even, he seems to have his head screwed on pretty well. After my UFC debut, like, you know, got a bonus, got a nice check from the UFC, and then got depressed. Even just because of everything that was happening, I started seeing a therapist straight away just because I felt like no one teaches you how to be famous. And I've seen a lot of people, athletes, movies, singers, rappers, rise and fall. And I'm not going to be one of those people. But then I went to a therapist from from February to October just to kind of like learn some tools to help me with this. Those tools that I got from my therapist really helped me just kind of like navigate. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not always extroverted. When I'm home by myself, I'm just very... Reserve. I like to be yeah. in my own thoughts. I like to be in my own space. It's almost, I've heard of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm saying it, if I'm using it right, but I don't know. I, won't, I don't want to say that's what I had. But like, you almost feel like you don't. You don't, don't belong. Yeah, like I don't yeah. belong. I don't deserve this. But the question remains, is New Zealand prepared to give its biggest sporting gong to a guy who, in the words of Steve Dean, beats the crap out of other blokes in a bloodstained cage? There are a list of tremendous athletes who haven't achieved or haven't been recognised within their own country when they're recognised globally. Mike Angove is a former kickboxing world champion and he now moonlights as Israel Adesanya's striking coach. Joseph Parker didn't win a Helberg despite winning the, the heavyweight world, world championship. Uh, David Naika, double gold medalist, didn't win a world title. David Tua, who fought Lennox Lewis, one of the greatest of all time, didn't win the Halbergs. Ray Sefo, six-time world champion, didn't win the Halbergs. Uh, I could go on quite ad infinitum over a long period of time about how our combat sports athletes have, have been ignored for a, for a very long period of time um, because of our focus on, on our primary sports. Um, and that's despite being in sports which, uh, in my opinion, are much harder to achieve greatness in than, uh, than our team sports, which makes up you know, the, the majority of our, um, you know, our Halbergs. In terms of where MMA and combat sports sits in the Halbergs, uh, yes, they have been ignored for, for a very long time. And the only reason Israel's getting a look in is because his achievements has been so phenomenal, 
has been almost undeniable. So the question for me is not really does Israel win the Sportsman of the Year award. He's a lock relative to, to the other very fine athletes that are on there. The question is why, what reason can you give for him not to win the Supreme Award? That's when you have to say, hey, actually, guys in the Hellbergs, what are you looking at? What are these criteria that you're judging it by? And um, so that's why it's going to, going to be interesting, not whether or not he wins sportsman. It's, sportsman should be an absolute lock. It's whether or not uh, he has enough cut through uh, with his achievements to actually change the very traditional mindset. Of course, the Silver Ferns might have a thing or two to say about that. Can you believe it? It's all over! New Zealand have won the World Cup! New Zealand netball stand tall! Do you think there's a bit of pressure on the Halberg judging panel this year? You know, we've had David Tua, we've had Ray Sefo, we've had uh, Joseph Parker. None of them have ever been have ever won that award. Yeah. But I mean, we're getting too good at these sports <laughs> to ignore. Uh, yes and no. I don't think they would look at it like that. And it is, you know, there's a lot of those judges, and it's all it's a the the results are a collation of their individual views, I guess, ultimately. Um, and no, I, I don't. So I don't think they feel pressure. If that's the question, I don't think they feel they should do something. Um, but it is interesting that they are changing. I mean, Joseph Parker becoming the first ever New Zealand-born heavyweight world champion. That's a very prestigious achievement in sport for him not to win it. Is fascinating. But uh, I'm not sure what year that was. But it would have been he would have been up against an Olympic gold medalist, and that's how they rate it: Olympic gold medals, world championships in Olympic sports. Um, you know, some people, rugby fans would argue that all blacks have been hard done by at times because rugby's not in that category either. Um, I, look, I, I don't think people should get too bent out of shape about the Hellberg Awards. I used to. It used to infuriate me. I guess what I mean is, <laughs> is less, the least that the judging panel feels pressure to give it to Adesanya and more they might feel pressure to not give it to Adesanya because invariably that would kick off a big polarised discussion. I mean, people who really don't like MMA really don't like MMA. They think it should yeah. be, you know, a lot of people think it's like human cockfighting. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. And how many of those people would be on the Halberg panel? Um, there'd be some. There'd it's be some. Bound, it's bound to be some. Yeah, so there'd be some who would be, yeah, that'd, that'd be your never-Trumpers of the Halberg Awards <laughs> over my dead body. We should give it to a guy who's actually doing that. The other thing is there would be a lack of understanding as to the magnitude of his achievements as well. They wouldn't really understand what he's done and how hard it is to get to that pinnacle in that sport it's not easy it's not just about um, you know winning in the ring to actually navigate your career to the point where you are in the UFC and you are getting good fights and you are getting paid well and you are attracting big audiences all of that has taken years and years and years to get to that point he didn't just you know beat up Robert Whitaker in Melbourne it took him a long time to get to the point to have that opportunity and then he managed to execute his game game plan flawlessly as it's, there's a lot that goes into that achievement, and I don't think the likes of the Halberg judges would really appreciate that. All right, if you're on the Halberg judging panel, who's taking it? Sportsman, Supreme, Sportswoman? I, I would give it to Adesanya, I would. I think it's a really incredible. Um, I think Sportswoman, who, what's, our, what's our short list there? Zoe zadowski Sonot is in there um, for winning... A world championship gold snow, snowboarding gold medal. Lisa Carrington, two-time world champ. Lisa's an interesting one. She wins all the time, so, and this is only the world champs as opposed to the Olympics. So Laura Langman is the other option, or Courtney Duncan motorcycling. 
I would go with Zoe myself. I think, uh, yeah, I, I clearly you can tell from this. I tend to favour the breakthrough athletes, and like what what she's achieved in the Olympics and at world championship level this is quite incredible. But I think the netballers will win team of the year, rightly so. Silver Ferns and probably the Supreme Award as well. That's the detail today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and it's made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave us a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Steve Dean and Mike Angove.